we're back. Oh, back again. Here we are. Back again. Same Telefriend. Yep. We're live. Once more. We are live. You are listening to us talking live right now. Wherever you are, we are. <laughs> Whispering in your ear. Put on surround sound. <sighs> Man, we should get one of those ASMR mics and like... I was going to say, this doesn't record in surround sound, does it? And then I realized it probably doesn't. No, it's only silly. one microphone. I mean... I think you I typically need I mean, more than one microphone. You can record binaural that. sound with one microphone, but... Yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just pulled a pretty big uh, pretty big school word on you, binaural. Guess who handles post-production? No, I handle post in uh, GarageBand. <laughs> the free one. <laughs> <laughs> because we haven't monetized this yeah. yet. Yeah, and you know what? You're welcome. Yeah, we, we can be putting this behind a paywall, and we very well should for all of the things we say that could get us in big, big trouble with the government and society. And also Little China. And Little China. Uh, and you're welcome, because this, it's priceless. You know what, what Max? Here? I say we go on a road trip. You're about to get your second COVID dose, I'm going to get mine soon, my first, and I think we should go on a road trip to celebrate. Where are we going to go? We are going to none other than Mexico City, Mexico. Specifically, Chinatown. The other night, the other night, me and a friend, me and a lover, me and a friend. I'll let you decide. Me and somebody were in, we were hanging out. Coquettish Nick. That's me. Um, No, but we were hanging out and we just, I don't remember how we got there, but we were like, let's decide how long it would take. It takes like 24 hours to get to the border of Mexico Maybe like 28 or 9 to get to like Mexico City, Chinatown specifically. I want to go. Okay, to, hold on. I want to go to Mexican you Chinatown. Can get to the border of Mexico in yes. 24 Like you can hours. get to like a border town in Texas. I don't remember what town, but you can get there if you drive like nonstop speed limit. And, and then I was zooming in and you could see there were little bits of traffic here and there, which was hilarious. Like the idea of going on a 28 hour drive and like, oh, there's some right around Cincinnati. We better watch. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's go. let's go. Yeah. We'll pick up some friends. Who's, who's driving? Some beer. Uh, I guess I can. My car is pretty good. I mean, when it gets wet, it does this thing where all the lights, all the caution lights flash, but it, it's fine. That'll be fine. Yeah. It's not going to rain. I mean, my probably. car is 200,000 miles. Well, you can take my scooter. It's got a fresh battery. We'll kind of we'll do the Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I'll freeze on there. <laughs> Except it'll be warm because it's springtime. Oh, it is. I am wearing a, a big baggy shirt. I got at a thrift store. I'm wearing some shorts. I biked here. I was comfortable, if not too warm. I have pants on, but yesterday I wore shorts all day. I walked home wearing jeans and a flannel, and I was wet by the time I got home. Mm-hmm. I was moist to the bone. And that's because it's spring, and it's amazing, because the last few months were dog shit. The last few months were a whole lot of years. The last many months were dog shit. I feel like it snowed every day for a year and a half, and... (laughs) Excuse me, I was a line cook the whole time, so, you know. (laughs) Speaking of which, I have a new job, Max. Yeah! I I am doing something that you have done, entering the world of fine dining. I worked at Mulligan's. Oh, I, you led me to believe <laughs> you worked. I mean, that's, mm, I don't know. Like, I feel like the place I'm working now is not fancy fancy, but it's like medium fancy. It's like, it's, you know, you'd you'd wear a shirt with buttons if you went there. Sure. In fact, I have to wear a shirt with buttons when I go there, so. Yeah, mine was like a tank top and flip flops. Ah, uh, like, like a Hooters? 
Oh, yeah, I thought you meant your uniform as a server. <laughs> Just imagine you in a tank top and shorts. Like, sitting on ladies' laps, taking and pictures. weird-looking orange shorts. And they, a There's lot... There's something so unsexy about that. Have I told you about my, my last Hooters encounter? No, I don't believe so. Um, I went to the beach with my then roommate and her friend. And we were there, we were like, we went to Rehoboth Beach, where you and me have gone. It's my beach du jour. Beach of the day, as you will, in French. And um, we got, we were there for like... 30 hours. It was a quick trip. And on our way back, by the way, I, I, I got sunburned to the point when we were at the beach that I had sun poisoning when I got home. Like I was in bed for like a day and a half. Mm, was yeah, that, that notorious Delaware sun. But yeah, I, we, gotcha. so we went to this Hooters, which is now closed. It closed very soon after. And it was clearly in an old strip club. Like the building, you could tell like it had Did no you windows. For sun poisoning, and that's why they no, no. But it was just so sad. There was, like, the only people there, every person was sad. All the people working there were sad. There were, like, old men at the bar, and you could tell it's just the bar closest to their house, so they just go there. There was this one guy there with his young daughter, and, like, it seemed very much like it was his visitation time. I don't know. Uh, The whole thing was sad and weird. And me and and them, we thought it was going to be a fun, fun boobs time, and really it was a sad boobs time. And they also, I think they have to wear tights as well. Oh. Like, I don't think, at least well, the one we were at, it seemed like they all had to wear tights under their shorts for some reason or another. Maybe if you Puritan have tattoos or something. Bullshit. Hey, man, no bare leg. You go to Tampa? <laughs> oh, Tampa. They don't even wear shirts. I think I went to Hooters once. My roommate really loved the wings and wanted to go to All You Can Eat Wings. They're not good wings. There was a Hooters at a restaurant we ate at with Mike called Cooter Browns, also a... They, there was a Hooters? So, remember Cooter Browns, that also sex-named oh, yes, restaurant. Yes, yes. A breath, not a restaurant, but a restaurant name, if you will. And um, that used to be the Hooters. Gosh. And I went there many times as a boy. I remember, as a very young boy, I was there, and my dad let me try his beer in that kind of, like, you know, Griswoldy family moment. <laughs> Except I didn't, like, chug it and finish it. I just tasted it, and I was like, ugh. And he was like, yep, don't ever drink it. And look you at us now. your dad... Gave you your first sip of beer at mm-hmm. Hooters? Yeah. In Rehoboth Beach? Yes, yes, he did. I, I, did, I love I, that I feel story. like that's a recovered memory. I just, like, <laughs> the spirit <laughs> took me and it popped out. But yeah, that's a good one. Anyway, but Cooter Browns, I like, I'm legitimately excited to go back so we can go there again. I thought it was very good. It was. I'll say it. I'll, I'll support this restaurant. It was. That we now t- pay us, Cooter. We talked to that uh, nice foreign lady at. It was fun. It was. Their bathroom had fun signs. Not as fun as this year's trip's gonna be. Oh, what? What? Have you heard what Mike wants to call it? Mike is our friend. He wants to call it like a <laughs> boy, like beach, beach trip two boys in the brochure or something like that. <laughs> I, I want to get shirts made. It's gonna be okay. Really uh, maybe we well. could get a what's his face to come, Gene. Gene. These are these are incredibly inside jokes, by the way. But nope, that we, one wasn't even a joke. No, I mean, it kind I'll of get was. Coming. He's legacy. I don't want to get Gene to come. Who's there on? He had a bad on. time. Yeah, well. He famously did not enjoy that trip. Accurate. Okay, so for our three listeners who don't know what we're talking about, we went to Rehoboth Beach, a small group, in a COVID-friendly manner, and one of my friends brought his roommate, who is a... He is from which African country? Or just... Do we not know? Or just... I was just... I didn't... No, I meant some African country. Or just all of them? I didn't... What? I think I was doing the mental gymnastics of, should I say, is he from 
and pretend right. I know or say just Africa in general. Right. He is maybe, the, I think he's from the Congo. Is that a country or is that a, an area? That is a country. I, I think do he's not from, recall what country he's Anyway, from. so he is a very African man. From Africa. Has not and, been uh, here very so long. he was with all of us uh, white boys, um, including Miguel and that. And uh, yeah, we were listening to on Weezer the loudly. Speech on the East Coast. Yes, it was. And he does. He's not a fan of the gays. That's he's tough. he's not a friend of Dorothy, as you might say. <laughs> he doesn't know Dorothy. He is not familiar with Dorothy. They took him to a gay bar as well, which I wish I would have been there for. My word. Wait, who did? Uh, Miguel and Mike. They got there early and they went to a, just like some oh, gay really? bar in town. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that's nice. Good for that. Oh, he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's but fine. He a little bit of culture shock. Every time I meet him, he's cool. You know. I really thought he left the country, apparently. No. Yeah. So, uh, so Bruno Mars, Max? No, no, no. It's, uh... uh no, we're gonna talk about it. Um, how tall are you? I think I'm taller than Bruno Mars. How, just tell me how tall you are, and I'll tell five you. Four. Am I? Are you my... are shorter than he is five five. No, I... that's not even short. He doesn't even qualify for the short guy Hall of Fame. Yeah, are you the you're the litmus for this because you run it? No, I think five four is five five. You, mm, I mean five maybe. five is still very short. Five five is like yeah, you get an honorable mention. Okay, fair enough. Five 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 is the minor leagues. Five five and five six. If you're that, you can make it to like the minor league Hall of Fame, but it's still the minor. I know we've discussed this before, but I really think that the little person Hall of Fame should be somehow involved in the short guy Hall of Fame. They're two different halls. I mean, they're two different hall games, if you will. I I don't know. I think there's something there. I think you guys would work together. Maybe have a banquet or something. I but I. It'd be like saying if you had a bisexual Hall of Fame, and you said, I think the gay Hall of Fame should do this with the bisexual Hall of Fame. And it's I, like, I understand why, but you can also understand why not. I mean, I guess that's fair. They're, they're related, but different. Mm, mm, this, of course, being to elucidate this thought in case it's unclear. Um, Max is short. <laughs> short, short versus people... Is dwarfism, is it still dwarfism? I would say, right? that's, yeah. That's the medical name of the condition, I believe. With dwarfism, as fundamentally might want two separate Hall of Fames. I need to talk about something very quickly. As I mentioned, I was watching last night a good chunk of the movie Foul Play, which is a, I'm going to say, like, early, late 70s, probably early to mid-80s comedies featuring Goldie Hawn and um, Chubby, Chubby Chase. No. I've seen him live. I met him. I have met Chubby Checker, and we, he is dead know. now. The avid listeners know this. Good. And um, so where was I going? Oh, Burgess, Burgess Meredith? Burgess Meredith. Meredith Burgess? That guy. Meredith Baxter Burgess. The guy from Rocky. Rocky's coach. He is in it as an old man, because that's the only thing he was ever. And um, he, there's this reoccurring thing where this, like, a, a, a man who is killed by a spy, or he is a spy or something like that, tells Goldie, like, beware of the dwarf. And she tells Burgess, who is her landlord, and then every time he talks about it, he uses a different word for little person, and the first one is midget, which yeah. is a f- okay word, but you know, some people don't like it, which is fair. It's an and okay it's just word. so, it's just so weird to hear like an old man who's dead now just say like, he told you to watch out for the midget, and like, just, that is weird. right? Yeah. That was an interpretation of Burgess Meredith. I did not say that. Yeah, it's a... That's not true if someone clips the audio. I don't, I don't know. Hey, man. 
Get him. You're not gonna pop. Take him down. You're not gonna pop a John me. I'm not going out like him. <laughs> Take him down. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pulling eat. a I'm pulling a Ray Croc. I don't need to be Papa John to eat 40 pizzas in 30 days. Kicking you out of the Dern biz. Man. By the way, welcome to Dern after reading. Okay, one real. No, okay, come on, we got to. Okay, Dern after reading, where we talk, watching all the Lord Dern movies. We're doing great. Um, do you know? Okay, let me let me break this down for you. So McDonald's. What? Okay, so I have a fact. I, I what what historical atrocity is McDonald's older than? I'm, this I'm is, sorry. Are you making your own? This is tri- yes. It is. I wanted corner? to. I I want to just say it, but also how, I feel this is my this is my time. How fucking dare you? What what could, could you repeat the question? What historical atrocity is McDonald's older than? It was incorporated, I believe, four days before this began. Occurring. What historical atrocity is McDonald's? Almost the exact same age. Four as? days. Yes, older. Four days. Oh God. Um, I gotta think back to that movie. Like, oh, the McDonald's brothers, pre-Ray Kroc. Yeah, so, like, it would... The date that McDonald's was incorporated was four days before this began happening, historically. Began happening. Historical atrocity. I feel like I should have worded it differently, but we're here. I just... I feel like what I said could have given it away, but I will let you figure it out. The Armenian Genocide. Incorrect. I mean, you're you're thinking right, but you're just the Holocaust. Yes, McDonald's was founded four days before people were arriving at Auschwitz. Really? Specifically? Oh man, that's a so dystopian yes. fun fact. I I saw it once, and now I'm seeing it like a bunch. All the fact pages I follow on Instagram are sharing they it now, and I'm like, that, that is it is. That's pretty spicy. Like I I think I hear those kind of facts that try to like throw off your perspective of history a lot. Like there were woolly mammoths when the pyramids were built. Right. Or something like that. Like one of those facts. And it's that is the one that has shook me the absolute most to the core. Like, that's crazy. That's... Go to McDonald's, older than the Holocaust. That's wild. Way to go. I I for me I love it in the sense that it caused the Holocaust. <laughs> if they wouldn't have or at the very least that there are two sides, or the I same side of a very awful How time. far do you think you have to drive from Auschwitz to hit a McDonald's? I wish I would have researched this ahead of time, because I'm not going to do it now, because I'm sure it would take me at least 10 minutes of research, but... Um, is Auschwitz in or nearest city? I don't, that's the problem. I think is it's pretty all, close to a civilized center, but I just don't... They, um, Excuse me, not civilized. Um, suburban, a um, urban center. There we go. What yeah, it's civilized. We are the Polish proper city living. That's us. City slickers. Um, the- I'm gonna guess mm, thirteen kilometers. That's fair. I'm gonna write down yeah, to write down look this after and uh, Mick Auschwitz. <laughs> You're not going to know what that means. I'm going to know what that means. And we are not going to name this episode Mick Auschwitz because we are going to come up with something better. (laughs) That's tough. I think about some of our episode titles and I think like if we ever pitched, if we ever gave this show to a a corporation and said, here's here's an example of our work, let us do another. They wouldn't because of some of the names we've chosen. By we, I mean I. (laughs) Mm, Actually, I struck a deal. Oh, man. General Dynamics. You are in the back pocket of Big Dern, aren't you? 
Hell yeah. Turn two. <laughs> Turn after reading two. The Dern, the Derns who stare at guts. Gladly take a paycheck from uh, the military industrial complex for this wonderful content. So if you're out there, hey man, I will, I will work for anyone. Mm-hmm. I'm not picky. I've worked for monsters. I worked for the Walton family. Oh uh, yeah. Yep. Oh boy. I sure How much did. did they pay you? It was pretty good. I think because Sam's Club is like more of an independent club based thing, they can actually like pay more. Dash, it's shittier work, so they have to pay you more, oh, or people wouldn't work there. Work? Just because it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's everything's big, so yeah. like, you know, if somebody drops a glass bottle of ketchup, it is a catastrophe as opposed to a a <laughs> single sense. like a yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, it happened. Thought about that. God, it oh. happened, and like you'd get to the bottom of a pallet of like olives, and there'd be like six broken jars, and they broke like six months ago, so they're oh, just like dry God. and moldy and smell like death. Uh, Sam's Club, everyone. But also, it was so big that if you turned off your walkie, you were a ghost. You could do whatever you wanted. Cool. As long as you were good at your job, you could just fly through stuff at the end and be good. You could just, you steal food and eat it while you work and then just throw it behind something. Don't ever got That's you. it. Sometimes I would open the big bulk bags of chocolate chips and just take a few and then seal them back up. <laughs> this is this pre-COVID, so man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I only did that like once, and I was having a very bad day, and I was like, if I don't eat chocolate right now, heads are going to roll. <laughs> anyway, anyway, can't wait for the uh, subpoena for that one. Oh, that'd be so... Oh. Could you imagine? All I want We get pulled is into for court, and this, is, my this episode is referenced. Goal, oh, life goal is for this podcast to be in court testimony. <laughs> I really, really hope so. That would make my year, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, so, um... Well, my mom works for t- two lawyers, his so... listeners, kill Nick. <laughs> Wait a minute. Kill him. No, 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 no. I have his... Let me look up his address real quick. I'll tell you, go there. Just stab him to death. 5252 Walnut Street. Uh, don't stab me, please. Bring his lifeless body to the Capitol building. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Or I, or I will keep the hostages I'm just, I'm trying to set precedent. I want a legacy, and maybe that means my name is in a, a legal text. Well, you're, you're sure living over there, Max. <laughs> you're a big man, huh? Real, real big man. Whew. Well, should we dive in? Yeah, so if they kill you, who, whose fault is it? Mine uh, or theirs? I'm going to say definitely yours. <laughs> mm, they kill you, though. I mean, no one listens to this show, so no one will know you said these Mom, things. But I love you. I need you to do me a favor. <laughs> I know. Fly to, fly to Philadelphia. Go to West Philly. Stab Nick to death. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like any of this, but I can't really stop you, so say lovey, I guess. You know, I don't, I don't even feel bad that I'm going to butcher this movie now. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. Next, I'm not going to butcher I, it. Okay. I subconsciously only threatened, <laughs> encouraged others to murder you. That was not subconscious. You did it out loud. No, but I forgot the part where <laughs> ah. the sub, it was subconsciously because gotcha, gotcha. I'm mad at you because you're about to butcher this movie. Okay. Let me, let me preface this by saying I'm currently working three jobs. I'm a very busy boy. I woke up early today, which I don't like doing. And I was eating my first food of the day at like four o'clock when I was watching this movie. So I only caught bits and pieces. Not That's not true. I watched the whole thing. There were definitely some 
plot points that until the end didn't quite gel with me. Also, I've never read the book Little Women, and I feel like that would help a lot. Like, to know the plot. Because I don't know if this is how the book is laid out, but the movie involves a lot of, like, dreams and flashbacks and, like, like a dream will show you a reality and you don't realize it's a dream until it's over and then it'll show you what is actually happening oh, and then really? there's like flashbacks like it is not an easy movie in I my opinion especially like if you framing. if you aren't feeling 100% I would say this movie isn't for you <laughs> that being said it's a fine movie little women 2019 greta gerwig directed written hate her yeah you do famously long time listeners of the I remember the first time when we just with the the culmination of this podcast happened when you were talking about how much you hate her that's a joke. You were talking about how much you liked her. And then we said, let's make a podcast. And here we are over a year later, one pandemic later, we are mm-hmm. still pumping out this. We did it. Us two little women show. are getting a little bigger. <laughs> we are big women now. <laughs> um, so this movie has a lot of um, artsy types in it. A lot of young hip people that are in art house movies. Um, they have Irish names. I never know how to say. Um, one of them does, and I don't know how to say her name. Is it Shorzy? Sh- the woman who plays Lady Bird. I forget. Oh no! Wait. Yes, it's no. Isn't isn't Florence Pugh? Isn't Florence Pugh? Oh no, that is Lady Bird. Like I said, art house movies. Yes. All of these people, women and men. Yeah. One man, several women are all art house oh, yeah. people. Greta Gerwig knows awesome artsy actresses. Just in the opening of this movie, I was like, this is weird. Like seeing all these like ridiculously famous but also incredibly like art house people all being in a movie and all talking as if it's like directly post Civil War, United States and London. I was like, what is going on? And then I was like thinking about it and I was like, this is like rent. Like, if they made Rent now, that's who would be in it. Like, it would be Timothy Chalamet and Florence oh, Pugh. Like and, like, and that's crazy. And it's probably going to happen. Because it's like, we're, what, 20 years post the original Rent tour. Like, the original um, Rent production of stage. Movie is probably, what, 15-some years old? When the movie hits 20, they're probably going to redo it. And it's probably going to be these people in it. Is, does Rent need to ever be redone? Um, it doesn't, and I don't want it to be. I'm just saying, they're going to do it. I mean... What, what are your feelings towards Rent? I... I liked it when I first saw it. I saw it live once. Like, I saw the tour in Easton, and it was very cool, because it was, like, it's a very cool show, and the way they do it live is different from the film, so it's just, like, it's a very good theatrical experience. I like the story, like, of, um, what's-his-face? I don't know his name, but he, like, wrote in, he, like, died of AIDS the night it debuted or something like that. Like, he died right at the end. Or maybe they weren't, like, quite done with the dress rehearsals, but yes. That's interesting. I feel like the messages of it are kind of forced and weird at points. And like, there's a, I think I've shown you the thing by David Ratkoff where he talks about it. And it's just a bunch of like spoiled artsy rich kids, basically, if you really think about it. And like, they're living in like, enormous houses, but they're also like poor and some of them have AIDS. And like, it's this whole thing that, I don't know, I feel like it's good if you don't think about it. It's it's popcorn theater. It's yeah. It's, it's pretty a, and it's, it's fun. It's a show that like, at least feels like oh yeah, no. culturally is regarded as substantially more than popcorn. Like if I had to see Rent or Cats, I would see Rent. Let me put it that way. Uh, that's and a that's that's, di- that's a whole different ball game. That's, that's a whole uh, different hall game. But uh, yeah, a whole different hall game. Um, so here we are. We have all of those fantastic people. Why do people. you keep saying hall game? Because I, 
I'm trying to make it stick. This is my new stuff. <laughs> okay. This is this is my new hour I'm working on, Max. Oh, when man. I when pandemic is over, I'm gonna be a stand up comedian and I'm gonna need an hour. And when I talk about the short guy Hall of Fame and steal that thunder from you, I'm gonna need to talk about different hall games. Yeah, but you're not short. I'm not, but I have that short friends. That I, ain't yours. I can say the short word. I have short I, friends. I'll fucking stab you myself. <clears throat> Mama, call it off. I oh got this. I was I was thinking about something the other day. We're gonna get back to this. Um, I was thinking about reverse mermaids. Do you think we will get back? We will. So reverse mermaids. So it would be like a lady bottom with a fish top. And then I was thinking about like some comic book idea where like it's that, but like basically the fish people would be a fill in for like African-Americans and it would be like, it would be like the jokes of like, um, I don't want my daughter marrying a fish or like, um, like a fish with hair and like a, co- a corporation right. saying a, like that's not appropriate hair for a professional situation. environment and i just thought it was hilarious at the time anyway that's pretty funny it is isn't it yeah. uh but like a, a fish with like braids and just like someone saying like you can't wear that at work i think that's funny also it's a plight of the african-american community anyway what if they're what if the reverse mermaids are the, the ones with the with the power. Maybe. I mean, you're really going to give a fish the right to vote? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> but which one's the fish? Mm. We are all fish. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, Contact. That's the fish song that I like. That's the one. I can't do any other music, but Contact I enjoy. I'm a, I'm a dead boy. Anyway, back to this. Okay, so there's a lot going Taxi on. Taxi driver. That's mine. Oh wait, no. Is Silence that a, of the Lambs? That's my favorite. What fish are you song. talking about? Is that that's a is that a fish song or is that a movie? I mean, I know it's a movie, but one or two of the listeners got it, and that's all I need. I don't like you. Don't like hey, you. do you think it'll fuck up the audio too much if I get a piece of nicotine gum? Uh, I mean, if you chew it appropriately, I don't think it. All right, will. listeners, I'm going to give it a go. Tweet at us if you didn't if you didn't care for. <laughs> are we? The noise. We're still recording, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll keep going keep then. So. Um, we open on Joe, who is the main character of Little Women. From what I've gathered, she is... You want a piece? Four milligram? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm okay. I don't think nicotine is what I need right now. <laughs> so I believe she is to be... Which, who's our actor? Joe is played by uh, Ronan, Ladybird. Ronan, Ladybird. Sure, um, see. I believe... So she is to be, I believe, the woman who wrote Little Women, uh, Joanne March. Joe, Joe, I think it's Joanne March. Is based on the author. Yes. So what what I've gathered about this film is that it is about the writing of the book, and the book is completely based on the real-life occurrences of her life. Got it. So it's basically a book, a, a, a movie about the book, and the book is about what happens in the movie. To an extent. Like, it's not exact, but it's pretty close. Sure, like, it's, it's house of It's beach. autobiographical. Yeah. And um, she is selling a story to, like, a mutton-chopped man with little glasses. And he's, like, looking through them. And she, she does this thing where she comes in and she says, like, oh, I want to sell these stories for a friend. Because she's, like, you know, a writer. She doesn't. She's very self-conscious about her work. And she doesn't want to say, oh, it's mine. And also she doesn't want to necessarily imply that a woman wrote them right off the bat. And then he's, like, looking through them, and he takes some, and then he gives her money, and he, he says a few things to just, like, give you some clues of what's going on. Like, it's post-Civil War, no one wants to be preached at, everyone wants happy romance, ha-has. And he, then he also says, like, 
Um, if you write stories about women, they either have to end up married or dead. I don't care which. Which is like a, just a moral thing of the time. Like, you can't have a spinster who would give bad ideas and no one would buy it. Which is the idea, of course. And then, um, pretty much the story unfolds. We meet her three sisters, played by um, Florence Pugh, Emma Watson, and Eliza. Uh, That's not it. It's a scan, scanlet, scarlet. She has a familiar. I believe she was in. Um, oh, Emma Watson. Yeah, I didn't. That's the one I. That's that and another one that I'll talk about later surprised me. Um, I believe the fourth sister who developed scarlet fever later in the film is played by the woman, one of the women from um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I might be okay. wrong, but I'm pretty sure she is the lesbian or the uh, bi furious girl, like the punk one, who. I think she's the first ex that Scott. Furious. Yeah, is the... that from the movie. Oh yeah, no, she's like I'm feeling a little bi furious. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he... I think she's the first ex that Scott's fight. Scott fights. Don't quote me on that. But so all this stuff is happening. We meet Timothy Chalamet, who plays like the romantic lead of two of the sisters, and it's this whole thing. Um, Laura Dern shows up. She plays the mother of the sisters, and she is a very. Like, the father is, has been gone with the Civil War. He's not very present for most of the film. And she's just a, she has to raise all these, like, I would say young adult to adult women. And she's very, like, plucky. And she, like, bakes at night. And she seems very fun. She seems like she's just playing herself, but in, like, 1800, whatever. Fun. Like, I feel like that's the kind of mom she is. She's just, like, cool. And she, like, she, at one point, um, there's a family down the road who they all sleep in the same bed because it's so cold. And they don't have any food. And she says on Christmas Day, like, oh, let's take this lovely breakfast we have and give it to them instead. She's just like a very caring, nice mother. She tries to, she caters to all her daughters, which I can't imagine is easy because they have very little money. And, you know, anyway, she's nice. Uh, There's an aunt who's played by Meryl Streep and they old her up, which is weird. I don't know. I feel like Meryl Streep never plays an old woman. And she does in this, and I was like, ugh. How old is Meryl Streep, though? I mean, she's old, but, like, she always plays... She looks young, like, you she's know. born in 1949. Hey, that's nine years older than Fauci. Nine years, nine younger. years younger. I'm sorry. That is. Dr. Fauci she's is 71 80. years old. So well, yeah, but I mean, sense. you know. Look at any movie she's been in in the last decade. She yeah, looks right. young. And they definitely aged her up, which is weird. She plays, like, the eccentric old aunt who just has a bunch of money. And she just says a bunch of, like, old woman things. Like, things a grandmother would say, like... You know, you'll need to marry a rich, like, not a now grandmother, but a then grandmother. Like, you'll need to marry a rich man, um, keep your I'm ideas out of the now she, Well, yes. She that. talks about Timothy Chalamet and she says, like, oh, that boy never amounted to anything. Must have been the Italian in him. And, like, he, she yeah, just says right. all these little, like, bits Ooh, and bobs. Is that why I'm a, a fuck up? Probably. That's why you're a long hair. Rambling, incoherent, long hair life. <laughs> so, uh. Because <laughs> of the Ginzo inside of me? Jesus. Christ. We can say that, Nick. It's hey, man. Guinea wop, garlic bread slinging, so on, so on. Um, I don't even... Is Meryl Streep's character married to Chris Cooper? I don't believe she is not married for any of the film. Ooh. In fact, at one point she dies. All right, just tell me about Chris Cooper. Who is Chris Cooper again? The dad from October Sky. Apparently He's in this. Mr. Lawrence. Mr. Oh, I hardly recognized him. He has mutton chops and like weird hair. Oh, so he cool. plays Timothy Chalamet's dad, who's like a he's an old man and the the idea is that he's a mean, bitter old man, but he's actually really nice. At one point he like they have he has a 
daughter who died at one point in the past and like one of the sisters he kind of takes her in and says like you remind me of her i want you to have this piano and he like they start the timothy chalamet and his father like bring in the girls and like because they're very rich and they just have a lot of stuff and like books and all these things that interest the girls and they like take them in and let them use all of their riches and it's really nice and timothy chalamet has basically like a thing with um ladybird and then like it, it's Perfectly like they they're kind of they're kind of fighting and like they're not quite having it like and they and they realize like oh this won't this wouldn't work like we love each other but it's not like a thing like it, we're just going to have to be friends and then he ends, ends up with um uh Florence Pugue and at, there's this whole like long drawn out thing where like she is going to marry someone and then he says like I love you and then she won't marry him but she wants to marry um Timothy Chalamet but Timothy Chalamet goes to London to do like travel so or whatever. Talk about this so quickly if you don't want to. No, I'm just I. I'm sorry. I'm excited because it was actually a good movie. Now that I'm unpacking it, but like I also don't have much more to say. Like I mean, there's other plot points, but like um, uh, by Furious gets Scarlet Fever, and there's this weird dream sequence where like, uh, Lady Bird dreams that she's better, but then she comes out and she isn't. But I think she's still alive at the end. Like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff like that. Anyway, so there's this marriage. Um, Emma Stone, Emma Watson, sorry, marries a teacher. And um, Lady Bird is like, I'll re- we d- you don't have to get married. She thinks she's getting married just for, like, stability or money or, like, escape from the house. And really, it's love. And she says, I'll write and stuff. And it doesn't work out. Uh, Florence Pugh and Timothy have a baby at one point. And I mean... She and also baby is Bob Odenkirk. No, no. Oh, Bob Odenkirk comes back at one point. He is the father of the family. And it it seemed like he was dead, but then he just showed up. So I guess they were just talking about it more figuratively. But Bob Odenkirk plays the dad. Didn't expect that. He just kind of yeah. showed up. So at one point in the beginning after the after the um the scene where she sells her stories she's with a critic like a he's a literary critic like he writes for papers and he basically says like your stuff is good but it's also bad and she gets really mad and like tells him off and then we go back seven years then we basically get everything i just said and then like we're back to now and like uh, things have changed i think maybe the father had died then like after the fact like after the seven years had passed and um, the aunt dies, of course. And basically, we're at the very end, and she writes Little Women. She writes mo- like a good chunk of it, and she sends it to the publisher from the beginning. And it's the story of her life and like the seven years, like the sisters, like growing apart and coming back together through um, the illness of Bifurious. And <laughs> um, it sounds like I'm talking about superheroes, but like it's an incredible Victorian drama. <laughs> um, she writes it and he sends it to him and he says like, this has promise, but you need to work on it. And then his daughter, like he has three daughters who very much mirror them. They basically come in and say like, what happens next? Why are you going to publish this? This is great. And he realized like, oh, this is going to be the next this big is thing. It. And he writes back to her and then like the critic comes back into her life. Like they, they meet, they just like, he comes to the house and they meet and it's incredible. And they talk and he's there for a while. And then like he leaves and um, Lady Bird closes the door and her whole family is like, they're all looking at her like, you're in love. Wow. That's him, huh? You're... And then they like chase him to the train station. They catch him. They kiss and fall in love. And then we cut to her at the publisher's office. And the publisher basically says like, it's great, but you need you need an ending. Like you need her. She needs to get married. 
because of the whole thing, like with the you can't have a single woman in a book at this point in American history. And she says, fine. Those were his words. Basically, (laughs) yes, that is exactly what he said. And um, so basically, she tells him that story, and he's like, that's perfect, throw it in, we'll call it the umbrella, under the umbrella. And then he starts to discuss money, and he's basically like, I'll give you 5% of the royalties, and I want to buy the copyright for $500. And she says, no, I think I'll, I want to keep my book. And she refuses the money but keeps the copyright and gets like a little more percent wise for the um for the royalties and um obviously we know how that worked out little women is a enormous forever bestseller it made her rich and famous she got to jeff bezos actually louisa may alcott jim jeff bezos is one of the little women (laughs) but yeah i mean it turned out to be a success all the sisters were happy. It all worked out for everybody to a certain extent. Um, yeah. That's pretty much the story. It was a very good movie now that I think about it a little harder. Now that I have clarity. <laughs> that that post, post-movie post clarity that hits you. So yeah, good movie. Good period piece. I would check it out if you're interested. It's two hours good. and 15 minutes long. It's very pretty. It's got some pretty young art house people in it. Yeah. And I mean, I gotta fucking see it. Yeah, and Dern's in it, here and there. It's a shame I haven't already. Oh, at one point, um, Lady Bird cuts her hair for the family, like, they need a thing, and she cuts her hair for money. And she, like, takes you off know, her hat, and it's, it's, it's this big, like, reveal, and everyone's like, ah, you cut your hair, you look like a boy. Anyway, great movie. Would watch it, again. Yeah, talked about a movie, A+. Hey! Oh, boy, what now? Uh, now we do a little segment called One Random Trivia Question for Me! What? What, 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 what? what is it? Today's question. Yes. Are you ready? Oh, that is a daily double. Don't. I sent in my audition tape. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Don't you. Can you believe Dr. Oz? My segment. Can you believe it? Can you, Can you believe it? He's a bad not, man. He's a doctor. You're not a Dr. Oz hosting Jeopardy commentary podcast. He's a bad man. It's the one but go thing on. we swore we'd it's never be. You know gone. what? You're right. I'm sorry. I got it. I got out of hand. <sighs> Nicholas. Go ahead. Harry. Henry. Homer. And Happy are the four playable characters of what? 1978. Hasbro board game. All ages. It is an all ages game. I said that H- is correct. H's. All H's game. Ah, <laughs> oh, I feel like I know. A Hasbro game. So a board game. Yes. Would it be a popular board game that I would know? Yes. Is, well, no, I couldn't, hmm. There's, I'm just, I'm trying to think of the ones that have names, because a lot of them are just like, you know, Thimble or Dog or Red Trouble Piece. (laughs) Are all the Trouble Pieces named? Unlikely. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) Yeah, it's Trouble. It's not Clue. The red one is Harry. (laughs) Yeah, the blue one's Homer. Could you imagine? Hey, I (laughs) love Trouble. It's a great game. It's such an easy, like, little brain game. Like, you don't have to think about it at all. The opposite of a little brain game is definitely the Wheel of Fortune game we played in Delaware. That thing was a nightmare. Well, yeah. It was, was fun, fun. But, like, it's such a weird, old-timey game that would be so much it better with now. clever engineering. With now technology, it would be so much better. You just, I'm sure you can 
Can you, yeah, you could probably just play can, wheel. Can I Do you know there's a little guy under the wheel? Yeah. Not a little guy, just a guy, but a little person. Well, which Hall of Fame does he belong in? Because <laughs> yeah. he's Jeez. Either one. Which... Whichever can, one he wants. Could you imagine? I, I was thinking back to our, our fish and racial debates and little guy things. Could you imagine if there, was a sh- if there was a shorter water fountain and it said short people? That'd be weird. Sometimes right? there is a shorter Yeah, water but what if it fountain. said like short people only? <laughs> this is for the littles. Littles only. Littles only. Damn. When will we be equal? Um, I... Can you give me a hint? You discovered the right hint. It was the first thing you said. It's one so I would start know. Start with H. H. I mean, is it? Does the game start with H? Yes. Help. No. You're telling me <laughs> no. they didn't make a Hasbro board game of the Beatles movie Help, <laughs> but didn't have the licenses for their names. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it would be one of those things like um, Yellow Submarine like it became really popular and then they added their own voices at the end doing a bit like they would write a thing for the game but they still wouldn't change the names uh, can you give me another hint I, is, is it H related like would it the is. name it is a game that is also it is um, one where the skill on the Wikipedia page mm-hmm. for the, the type of game yeah. is Dexterity Mousetrap? No. Mm. You're on there? It's, uh, it is an animal game. Don't know. Don't like that. I was gonna say, but I, I know. Daddy's Don't an break animal. the ice. No. Oh, that was a fun game. I'm trying to think of dexterity that was games. By that now. weird little company that made handsome. <sighs> oh, fans. those were great. Those yeah, games they cool ones. Mm, came in those weird big boxes. Yeah, they're kind of like cubey. I don't. I really don't know where to go with this. Like, I, my brain is fizzled out for boredom. Fat animals. Oh, I'm an idiot. It's hungry, hungry hippos. It's hungry, hungry hippos. I don't know if I'd call that a board game, though. I mean, what section of? I mean, of the store is it going to? But be? it's not really a board game. That's Wikipedia. like that's like calling. Wait, I don't even need to fact check this because I'm the trivia master. Whatever. But that I feel like that I'm trying to think. Tough titty man. Whatever. That's like calling Break the Ice a... Don't Break the Ice a board game. It's, board it's game. not. No. It's a dexterity game. <laughs> As you said, <laughs> sir. I'm going to look up... This. I right. sort of don't care, but I also sort of yeah, really do. I have my pride, and I think, I'm, I think I'm good here. A tabletop game, son of a bitch. <laughs> Dickhead. Fuck. Auschwitz. And I meant to read that, McDonald's. too, when I wrote that question. I forgot to. Anyway. How far from Auschwitz is a McDonald's? <laughs> I'm really trying to break the Siri algorithm. When I was in... Oh! Oh! The first McDonald's in Auschwitz, near the former concentration camp Auschwitz. But not for long. Wait, what? Nick, the suspense is killing us! Okay, so pretty close is what I'm... You're probably right. I'm not going to look up the details, but it is probably within 13 kilometers. Yeah, if it's in a place where people live, and it's... Especially in the Western world, but even plenty of the non-Western worlds, you got an Arches nearby. Hey, man, you know where the Arches didn't take off? Where? Taiwan. Because there's so much street food that it just couldn't compete. You know, some guy out of cart selling a 
pound of pork for a nickel. You can't want, beat that. I want like oh. a street cart McDonald's. Oh god. That's what I want. Oh. Seems like something they do somewhere. Like one of those like cultural things, like if you go to excuse me, if you go to the Italian McDonald's you can get red wine, like stuff right. like that. You can eat McDonald's in the uh leaning tower of Pisa. <laughs> Do you know the thing's just hollow inside? Most of it. Is I think, it? like, at least a portion of it is they, like, had to basically take weight out so it would stand. Like, they had to... Uh, they to, had to, to, they had to cement it. it on its angle or it would literally have fallen over right. by now. Yep. Shit's mad. My dad ran a marathon in pizza. Just up and down a bunch of times? The, 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 the leaning the, tower? The fun little town in the hills. And, like, he said it was the most low-key race he ever ran. Like, hmm. there were, like... Very few people in it. It was just like a charming did he, Sunday. And did like he? A, uh, did he pull one of those city. like the one of the New York City marathon cheating things? Like he jumped on the uh, subway on and the just tower. rode it for a while. <laughs> Swung around the tower. Yeah, did hell yeah. So uh, Max, what's between your darns besides that fun fun trivia fact about that tabletop game? Tabletop game. Tabletop games. I what's between my darns at the moment? I've been watching. A television show that my entire family has seen <laughs> and they were talking about it on a zoom call i was like all right i'll start watching the affair oh i think my mom watched that yeah i think a lot of moms watch everyone's it. mom has watched uh it's got mcnulty from the wire good and uh the police cast higher up from the wire okay and probably a couple of I was gonna, I mean, if there's two, there's know. probably more. And that's it. It's a great show about Baltimore. <laughs> Drugs oh, and cops. Good. Yeah, <clears throat> the affair. <laughs> no, it's He's about not. an affair. And, oh, Joshua Jackson is in it, who of course is the main character from The Mighty Duck. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> the mightiest duck. Joshy. And um, uh, a man has an affair with a woman and it's about that and it's intense and at times it's like pulpy and like not it's not great it's like a, a watered down big little lies but better than the that awful nicole kidman hugh jackman one i talked about that was like just a terrible dumpster fire big little lies the affair is like a, not nearly as good but it's solid and i'm on season two mm-hmm. and season two is better because season one is about a man and a woman having an affair. They're both married. That's season one. Mm-hmm. And the very end of season one, and I'll spoil this for anyone listening, um, is, and everyone finds out. And Oh no. And so season two is a much more interesting story, because then it's, here's what happens next. And I like that, because you don't... There's you you don't know what direction anyone's gonna go in mm-hmm. ways that season one it's like oh yeah we understand the story of an affair um, so it's pretty good and so far it only gets better my good. mom said season three sucked though so um, I'll report well back she's gonna kill me so heads. yeah what does it matter I don't care what she thinks <laughs> get him Lib <laughs> Jesus put him in the ground Lib Mom's gonna be the Undertaker. Jesus. Oh, speaking oh. of not the Undertaker, but a similar figure in the world of wonderful 
Enter Flyover State Entertainment, perhaps would be a good descriptor. Uh, you're familiar with Gravedigger, the most legendary oh, monster of truck? Of course, the best one. Yeah. I met him once. Really? The monster truck. Nice. Not the person. I assume there's been multiple I, diggers. I have a, there's a picture of me in front of a, a grave digger. Same. On, uh, the way to the outer at banks. The, uh, at the uh, West End Fair in Ooh. Pennsylvania. There's a picture of me with that. And I think I met the, uh, that truck Godzilla monster thing. Really? Yeah, I feel oh, like there's a picture of me like... I, I, I've always wanted to go to a monster truck show. Me too. I we should. Have. If there's one this summer, Max, you and me. We're going. Or that's a, oh, by I the way... I will bring the earplugs. That sounds like a good plan. Me and Max but have a little... Get those, like, gun range. Oh, yeah. I, I have access. Guns. Yes. Bring guns. <laughs> bring I mean, guns. everyone will have them. So me and Max have been... We're cooking something up. We're not going to talk about it yet. We but, are. I thought uh, you come, were gonna... come May. I thought that's where our road trip was going to be. I mean, that'll be the actual road trip. But we're doing a thing. We're going to go to a place. We might do some talking on a radio station that gets broadcast to hundred of cars. So... Stay tuned. So we're getting, we're going big. We're going. This is our biggest thing. We are going big. We're going on the big screen. Anyway, I'll think of something to interrupt yes. your turn. Oh, please do. Uh, but I want to show you this picture I took the other night. Oh my god! It's uh, just walking down the street in front of a random brick row home in Philly, mm-hmm. and there are two things there. One is a toilet. Yes. And not just like the toilet seat when you see outside usually, but it's got like the the top, the basin, it's got the hole. Oh, it's the it's hole. Like a full toilet. It is lock, stock, and barrel. And right next to it is a little kid's, um, what do they call those? Like a small electric. Like a power pump. power wheels. The ones yeah. that get the little kids you sit got, in a little car. Got a, got a little car a little battery. battery. Uh, but it's Grave Digger. Oh. Which is so man. cool. That's destiny right there. Yeah. Sweet, sweet destiny. That car. Short guy Hall of Fame. Thursday nights. Both the miniature grade. Down at Cheerleaders. Go see <laughs> Destiny. That was, a, that was a very Philly joke for anyone listening. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I need to write something down quick. You don't you don't need to tell us. <laughs> no, but that'll make that'll make the silence that follows uh, make sense. Oh, okay. I don't edit this. Oh, we need okay. to know. You don't? A little. Here and there. I mean, I cut out all of the racial epitaphs that you throw out, but, you know. I mean, I can only cut out so many. This show would be be 15 minutes long if I cut out everything bad that you said. You have a super cut of me saying Italian slurs. (laughs) Oh my god, I could... It would take a while, but I could probably make a really good one. Oh, it'll be my ringtone, just you screaming. Listeners. Italian episode. Listeners, here's, here's an exercise. Go find every Italian slur. <laughs> Make a super cut. Please do. We will pay you. Make me famous, then cancel me. I will pay you a dollar an hour to edit it if you do it. Listener. A dollar an hour? Yeah. Of listening? I mean, they probably... What a steal! Right? Listener. I mean, how many episodes wow. we got now? 45? Do we only have one? Can every listener do it? 45 episodes. Let's say about two hours. A little hour and a half. We'll take the dollar an hour and we'll split it among the number of like, entrants. That's fair. <laughs> ten of you do it. You that is somewhere around, I'm going to say, 75 hours of listening. Give or take. Probably take. And I'm going to say 75 hours of... Easy listening. Oh yeah! If you're a long haul trucker, 
do it. This is for you. This is. I mean, there's probably amphetamines and during after reading will get you. I really hope that. there's a long haul trucker that listens to this. Like he has a whole oh. rotation of pods, and this is one of them. No, it's just. He's like, been mad lately because we've been it's late. It's not. It's just like Wichita Lineman by Glenn Campbell. Oh. It's just country western and during after reading pod. Oh, that's good. And we want to thank you, listener. Thank you, uh, Chip. Yeah, Butch. Chip. Butch, maybe. Butch to his friends. We're his friends, though, so he's he feels really special right now. We're glad to have you tune in, Butch. Oh, I feel like I got that little warm tingle there. Yeah. Like when someone reads you a story, that was nice. Alrighty. What's, uh, what's between you, Darren? Well, I've got... Boy? I'm working on two big franchises right now, but before I get into that, um, I've been watching the uh, Woody Allen, uh, I would say, documentary-true crime series on HBO Plus Max. HBO Max. Uh, Woody Allen's a bad man. Anyway, so the franchises I've been watching. I mean, Is I've, it good? It's, I only watched one episode. I believe there's four parts altogether. I think they're all out now. They were releasing them on a weekly basis. Um, it was very good. Like I think it's very well edited, and it has like... Aside from Woody Allen, obviously he wouldn't be in it personally. Um, it has like everyone, like Mia Farrow is in it. At least two of his children are is, interviewed. Um, is Mia Farrow's hot son, who looks exactly like Frank Sinatra, in it. I don't, not yet. I think I've, I think like interviewed now. I have been two of the children, like two family friends, and Mia Farrow. And then there's been like ex- excerpts from Woody Allen's 2020 autobiography that is from his audiobook. So it's him saying it. So it's like kind of like he's there, but clearly he wouldn't be in this because, you know, he married his stepkid, his, uh, sorry, uh, adopted kid. But yeah. So yeah. Yeah, let's get our facts right. Oh, oh my God. I wouldn't want to tarnish the solid gold reputation of Woodrow Allen. Uh, yeah, bad man. Okay. Is his name Woodrow? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to look it up. And it's also weird seeing footage of him with the kids, because, like, he was, you know, he's Woody Allen. And he was older, I feel like, when they adopted all the kids. So it's weird seeing, like, an old man with all these kids and then knowing what he did with them. And he's, like, culturally, like, he was probably kind of an old man when he was, like, 12. I think that might be the thing. Like, he's probably not as old as he actually is in these videos. But, yeah. Anyway, bad man. Watch it. It's very good. But Woody Allen? I've been watching. This will be a great use yeah. of my, What's my interrupt here your, between your, your one pass. segment. Um, I forgot to say, I, I, a few episodes into the Ted Kaczynski documentary. Oh, I've been wanting Netflix. to watch that. And way more compelling than, than your Woody Allen. Ooh, I have a bumper sticker to show you. Oh, I got it. I got two. I got two very good Ted Kaczynski themed bumper stickers. Two different. Two oh, yes. Unique. One of them is Grateful Grateful Ooh, Ted, yes. yes, and the other is, um, I'll say it now. It's basically, I'm gonna interrupt your interruption, okay. fuck you. Um, it says, I think it's something along the lines of, honk if you think every, everything's, every decision since the Industrial Revolution was a mistake, and it has a picture of Ted Kaczynski, like the Unabomber, like, hoodie picture, <laughs> and, like, it's it has fake, like, copyright, like, gr- Big Ted 95, like, it's, uh, they're I, hilarious. I want that with just the text, though. I don't want a Unabomber that... I mean, I've actually, I literally today on my way to work saw a sticker with just the text, like on a rail, and I was like, I have that. Yeah. I will say my feelings about the guy. He was no hero. He had a lot of issues. Oh, yeah. Not a great uh, guy. But he wasn't wrong in his assessment of the problems. And hey, he got all. his work published in the Washington Post. He's very What I didn't know and would have gotten from this is because they have some clips of him, mm-hmm. like today, and... 
I've never heard him talk. I've never heard his character. And it's and he's got this almost like boyish joy. He's like he's 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 having fun, he's playful, but he's also like talking about bombs he built to meme people. Like he's absolutely uh was clearly had some serious mental issues from a young age. But it's it's a more interesting character and not at all what I was expecting. I mean I don't know what this says about him, but he comes off as the kind of guy that is probably enjoying his life in prison. Like, I'm sure he loves yeah, the routine, and I'm sure it, he's just, like, he's probably plowed through literally half of a prison library. Like, I'm sure he's just, like, his very methodical life, and I'm sure he enjoys it to some degree. Yeah. I'm sure he doesn't enjoy the people he's he has to be near. He's having fun in there. If you're yeah. worried about Ted, you know, don't worry. Hey, he's having a blast. He met Manson. He just hangs out. Keep the, he's in Cali. Keep the surfing. industrial incarceration system alive. Okay. Ted's having fun. He is. Ted's having. I want that bumper Ted's sticker. Having, Ted's having fun. Don't and like, you worry about Ted. Like the Unabomber, but on like a surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> Ted's having fun. With the hood. <laughs> that picture, but a body on a surfboard. Ted's having fun. Oh, Ted. That'd be great. I hope he hears this. Ted, if you're out there, keep on keeping on. <laughs> or don't. It's your life. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> anyway Please don't shout out the Unabomber I mean What's he gonna do? <laughs> what's he gonna do? He only has your address <laughs> Should I never gave him yours? Damn Mom, mom, call the Unabomber <laughs> He's here He's at the window He's a vampire too Pretty sure he'd send us a package Probably. I don't think they let him do that anymore. Do you really think they let the Unabomber send mail? That was probably a privilege. He got taken away. So tiny. They're extra careful. It's like little envelopes. Just little envelopes. He he hands them, excuse me, after 10 years he earned postcards. He hands them like literally a ticking box and the warden's just like, now Ted, we talked about this. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ted. Anyway. No more TED Talk. <laughs> hey, that's that other thing. I bet he that does. He probably also hates, and rightly so. I bet he, whenever he walks into the cafeteria, he has like his little posse of old men he's in jail with, and he's like, he starts t- he starts preaching about nature or whatever, and the guy's oh, like, he oh. better be holding court in that. And he's just like, oh, the guy, other guy. Let's call, I don't know. When he was in jail with Charles Manson, Charles Manson's like, oh, another TED Talk. Is uh, Charles Manson death. Do you think Charles Manson knew what TED Talks were? Probably. When when did he leave us? Like four years ago. I mean, he was alive no. for the dirt. No, I do not. Oh, I don't know. Do you think they let him use the internet? Maybe they might, but like it's probably just looking at that like background of toasters with if wings. So probably not often. Yeah, and if so, probably lo- low bandwidth. Video footage probably would be less common than say text based browsing, uh, or maybe he never used it and didn't. It's like asking, he doesn't fucking know how to use a computer. He seems like the kind of guy that would read. He's going to figure it out. (laughs) I bet he read the TV guide every week, but he never watched TV. And he would say, like, if I read the TV guide, I don't have to watch the TV. (laughs) And he'd sit in his room, just like staring at the wall. Yeah. Oh, Charles. Oh, Chucky boy. By the way, I ordered another uh, book about a monster based on your recommendation, his autobiography. Or his autobiography, as told to whatever the yeah, dude's name is. Autobiography. And None one day, one day when I finish the four thousand pages of Raven, I'll get to that one. There you go. Um, okay, it's so it's an easier read. I'm sure. 
So I've been watching two um, of the major horror franchises of our time. By our time, I mean the 80s and 2000s, respectively. <laughs> by, by our time, I mean next time. Yes. Um, I've been watching the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Ah. There's a lot of them. How many? Let's do this. How many movies do you think there are in the full series from the first one, I believe it came out in 84, to the most recent one, I believe it came out in, I'm going to say 2010. Nine. You didn't know? Crap, wait. You gambling with I've money been, you don't have, I've Nikki. been doing a lot of franchises, boy. Um, Break your legs for something like that where I'm from. I hate that I have to do this right now. I'm really sorry. You I, keep talking. I'll look it up. I feel embarrassed. Okay, so there are so many of those. Um, I'm going to say they kind of... having two of us. They kind of drip after like three. Like I think up to three is good and then they get kind of... They're still good. Let me say this. I think all of them are good. And then they made one called Wes Craven's New Nightmare... And that one was really bad. It, they were trying to do that, like, scream meta thing, and it just, like, didn't work as well. Yeah, it seems so weird. It has the kid from... Boom! G- is it... Fuck yeah, it's nine. Okay, good. I couldn't... Re- I mixed and You know it. what? I haven't seen a single one. You you haven't even nope. seen an, the I original? I saw the Simpsons episode. That's all I got. The, I think the mix-up was there are... Lousy smart weather. The mix-up was there are seven of the other franchise that I'm going to talk about next. But yes, uh, don't watch New Nightmare. It's bad. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's bad. Uh, Wes Craven's in it, though, and he's a beautiful man, and he's funny and charming and quiet. A Nightmare um, on Elm Street 2, Freddy Got Fingered. That's Great not, movie. right? Stop that. He does not jerk off the horse. That is Tom Green. Um, I do have to say Freddy vs. Jason, one of my favorites, personally. Really? I also like... Um, I think Freddy 5, Freddy's Dead, that's very good. I really enjoyed that. And it had a man who literally just died. Um, no, he was Freddy, an alien. Freddy's Dead was number six. I'm sorry, Freddy's Dead. The man who plays the therapist who has a wig on, clearly, um, he just died. He was an alien. He was like a horror movie dude. He had a very interesting name, like Aziki something or another. Anyway, he just died like a week How ago. How do you feel about like the day after Dream I watched Warriors? Dream Warriors was cool. It was cool because it kind of messed with the reality of stuff. I really liked three, actually. What, what seems interesting here, looking at the Wikipedia for the series, yeah, um, it was written by a few people, one of them Wes Craven, naturally, and one of them Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont. Director of Shawshank Redemption. Oh, good for him. And The Green Mile. And The Mist. Oh, yeah, and he was the good... He did The Walking Dead when it was amazing for season one. Hmm. And then he left in season two. And then it became a terrible show. Damn, dog. But listeners, first season of Walking Dead, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. And then stop watching that movie. That shit falls off real fast. So anyway, anyway, um, watch all the Nightmare movies. Very good. Robert England is a... get one more interruption a... on my next You're right. Robert England is a sweetheart, and I love him. He does seem like a sweet man. He, like, literally, and, like, in, the one thing I do have to say for, um, New Nightmare, he, like, at points he plays Robert England. Like, it's all, it's the woman who played Nancy as herself. It's him as himself. And, like, it's, like, they have to, like, play the characters they played in the movie at some point. it's from 94, so it was really just trying to be Scream. Oh, and, like, and Wes Craven made Scream, Scream, so it makes sense. He was trying to do the same thing for Nightmare. Was this before, that's before Scream, 94, right? I don't know, off the top of my head, but Wes Craven, of course, made that and this, so, yeah. Um, 96 was Scream. There you go. The other franchise I've been watching is Saw. 
Ooh. There are seven of those. There are soon to be eight, but there are seven now. Um, yeah. It is not... It's good. It is not as good as I remember. Um, is the first one good? The first one this is good. I mean, the so first one... because it was, you know, a whole new thing. Oh, yeah. It, like, changed horror. And, yeah. they like, they made that movie with no money, and basically they changed the game. Yeah, the game. And then they basically... Room. They released multi-million dollar movies almost every year for, like, near... Not nearly a decade, but, like, they oh, did... Close they to did it. Good. It was most Halloweens for I mean, many yeah. years. Actually, um... Are you familiar with the cult film Trick or Treat? Nope. It's an anthology film. It features a main character who's like a small boy with a pumpkin head named Sam. Sam Hain, of course. And um, it's this whole thing. It's very creep show adjacent. Um, That movie never got a theatrical release. And of course, that's kind of why it became a cult film instead of just like a mainstream success, which it would have been. Because the year it was set to come out, a Saw film came out. So they were like, ooh, "Ooh, we can't go up against that. We're going to shelve it. And they never unshelved it to a point that it got a full theatrical release. Gotcha. Fun interesting. But yeah, uh, what I think what perturbs murdering me, the competition. Oh, yeah, baby, put him in a reverse bear Fucking trap. Saw how much? What, what? How much money do you think Saw made? Like the first one or yeah, all? Of the first one. Like, how do you think? How much do you think it cost, and how much do you think it made? I mean, I'm gonna say it probably cost somewhere around a million, if not less. I'm gonna say it made at least like. Up to date, probably somewhere around fifty to seventy-five million. I'm gonna say it costs like three million. That's fair. And I'm gonna say it's made five hundred million dollars. Okay. Um, I will say one more thing because I assume you're going to look into these. Oh, one point two million dollars. I won that one by um, Prices Right rules. You did. I mean, by all rules. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And. it grossed more than a hundred million. That's fair. Yeah, half a good is a little. It's a hundred and four million. Um, but yeah, the only thing I can I have to say, they're very good movies. I feel like the stories build very well, and like the characters become different things, and it's cool. The only thing that really upset me is that um, I was watching the fourth one, and there is a scene where it is the most unappealing, terrible, like CGI blood spurting. Because at that point, like, this was literally a multi-million dollar franchise. And, like, they could, if they wanted, like, they could spend the extra thousand dollars to either do it practically or make it look good. And they didn't. And I was like, why? Why? <laughs> like, it's an hour and 30 minutes. Why not just throw a little more money in and make it good? Right. Yeah, that's... I mean, people are still going to watch it, which I guess is what they probably figured. Like, why, why not cut a why corner and make more money later? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. Kind of got to me. I was like, just do it better, man. It's soft. Yeah, I love. And the by first then, that was one, like their stride. And I hated the second one. Yeah. And, like, a, and the second one's the house, right? Yeah, it's like a bunch of people. Yeah. And it's it's one where like they they start killing each other. Yeah. And it's like I, I hate that. I it's like I hate about the Walking Dead. Stop fighting each other. I you definitely like what the later ones because they deal more with like complicated morals and it becomes more of like a trick. Like in the fourth one the whole thing is like if the main character who's being tested just would have like let go, like would have not been obsessed with the case, everything would have been fine. No one would have died, but he like had to. And then like there's a later one I don't want, actually, I don't, the person I'm watching with listens to these, and I don't want to give up the goat for that movie, but yeah. I like the complicated morals that are very, like, tricky, and if you think about them, Thank it makes sense. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Nick's saw partner. Yes. So, uh. Whomever you may be. That is my Between the Derns. 
Sorry, I had a lot to drain this week. It's been by this week, I mean this. We don't need to make it gross. This fortnight, Max, you gotta milk the derns, and they're gonna get infected. Alrighty, Max, your little dern. I'm very excited. Let's Ooh, do this. Let's party. All right, I'll ditch the gum. Ooh, here we go. Throw a patch on. Oh dear God. A few patches. <laughs> patch me up, Nikki. <laughs> Going gum free. Oh boy. My film yes. uh, is an HBO made-for-television film from 1992 called Afterburn. After. Dern, Dern, you might say. <laughs> and uh, let's get into it, shall we? I'm ready. So it starts with, we've got this kind of cool intro, like kind of industrial pumping music and blueprint schematics of like fighter jets Mm -hmm. and when the sequence is over there's just an explosion like a real life explosion like a rocket blowing up or something and it's just boom big explosion something hitting the ground and by the way this like many 1992 or mid-90s Laura Dern made-for-TV movies is available completely for free on YouTube and available nowhere else. So, Mm -hmm. if you want to see it, that's where you do it. So, right off the bat, once the the first thing we get after that explosion is a Dern voiceover about how she met Ted working in an Air Force bar. Mm -hmm. She says, Ted was already training to be the hottest pilot in the Air Force. When I saw him, I knew what I wanted. And then she continues with this this voiceover narration. Before we even see her, she says, This is a story of a cover-up. This is a story of power and betrayal. This is one for all of us. Which feels a little like... On the nose, a little like you're, you're, make, you're making a big promise, right? Pretty bold of you to just tell us that. The mental imagery that that conjures for me is at, like, the end of Goodfellas when What's-His-Face, like, looks at the camera and just, like, says all the shit. Like, that's the that's right. the energy, like, the big dick Italian guy, like, giving up his friends for um, leniency. Yeah. Like Ray, that. Ray, Ray, Liotta. Ray Liotta. Your drunk sandwich friend. My drunk sandwich friend. Drunk sandwich uncle, Ray Liotta. Yeah. Uncle of the pod. <laughs> Dern adjacent marriage story. That's uh, true. Divorce oh, my lawyer. word. Five, everyone is five kisses away from Laura Dern. Yeah. Exactly. Some are closer. <laughs> Ray Liotta, he is, he is a kiss. A kiss away from Dern. Uh, so we see Dern and she's driving a yellow punch buggy convertible. Perfect. Which is sick. And I took a picture. I'll let you describe this for the, the crowd, this one here. Oh, wow. Ah. Oh. That is a shirt and a half. For, she's in a white tee. Is that Aerosmith? I don't know what it is. It's an it's eyeball with ripping. Oh, is it Aerosmith? I, that be. feels like Aerosmith imagery, but I mean, yeah. it could be any like hair dash glam rock band yeah. logo. And she has this, she has my mom's hair. Like my mom in the 80s, that is like big hair. Big, That's good. That hair. is. Dern is a lady. She and can do it all. She is distraught when we see her there, but we go back, we flash back to 1979 when 
And I forget, we had some clue that this is like a decade earlier or something. Mm-hmm. And, or six, eight, eight years. And she meets Ted. We get her meeting Ted. She is working as a waitress in an Air Force bar. Like that song. Almost. I was literate, like my mind, in my mind, I heard the lyrics. Like she was working as a waitress at a cocktail bar. When she first met you. What is that? Oh, don't you want me, baby. I was like, wait, where does this go? When the beat drops, where are we? I want you, baby. <laughs> Put on my hat. And here we go. The name of the bar is the Afterburner. Love it. And Ted is this fucking, he's this hot looking dude. Very like uh, Tom Cruise. Bl- bl- blue flame special, young, dumb, full of cum. <laughs> oh, yes. I've seen Point Break. <laughs> Basically, yeah, he's like, he's smooth, he's a cocky, he's like one of the best fucking up-and-coming pilots on a military base, right? He's, he's got swag. He's got homoerotic volleyball montage written all over him. Absolutely. And Dern, and Dern's a pistol. She can fucking dish it out, she's quick, she's smart, she knows what she wants. I found out later, this is all essentially a true story. Uh, the woman is from Long Island, which made all the sense in the world. She's got uh, uh, your homeland. Yeah, she's uh, one of your people. Well, I'll, I'll save. That... I'll save IRL this character for you've for met. You, you've met her, haven't you? No, I was God, gonna I say she was your neighbor. Oh no! <laughs> could you imagine? I could. Yes, she reminded oh, yeah. me of many people I know. Good and. So it's this intense, kind of aggressive romance, but it's sort of told in, like, in beats and in segments. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, they have this, like, flirtation, this, like, steamy kind of sexual energy. Then it's like, they're getting married. Then it's the newborn. But in between, we get things, we get one scene where she's at a military Sunday afternoon party at someone's yard or something and she's basically being scolded for being drunk and not being ladylike by the other by everyone else by the like the the stiff collared military guys and the like the subservient military wives like she does not fit in and she don't give a fuck good it's sort of it's almost like like citizen ruth energy like she's not like a, uh, just a drunk she's not a mess but in her I'm gonna get I'm gonna live my life and I really don't care what you think kind of way it hits it hits that that stern energy sometimes you gotta go to a military barbecue and have three or eleven beers it's life man exactly live it so they get married uh he gets mad at her for smoking weed <laughs> which is funny when it comes up as like even an issue like He's, what does he say? She lights a joint, and he's like, I can't believe I married a pothead. Oh my god, get over yourself. The nerve. And she says, oh, she says this at the, like, barbecue or She says, what's the point of marrying a military man if I can't get blasted and have fun? <laughs> that's, she's, she's great. Damn, she's living. She says, my life doesn't revolve around clothing and recipes. Maybe I should apologize for that. So she's just naked and gets takeout? That's pretty. That's a pretty good way to live. Yep. I'd marry a military man if I could do that. Exactly. That's living. <laughs> She's living the real life. She gives birth. <gasps> then we've got to a baby. To a baby good. named Kiki. Aww. And 
Then the next shot is Dern walking out with a birthday cake for seven-year-old. Says, happy birthday, Kiki. Jesus. Okay. And it's funny because here Dern looks very, like, almost like the housewife uh, photo essay that was done. That kind of Dern. She looks classic. And she's, like, giving the cake. And she's very, like, she's engaged and it feels like she's, she just is, look, the perfect wife in this one the perfect norman rockwell americana wife with the birthday cake for a sweet little girl in their nice house and then the next shot is just her walking away lighting a cigarette like in this like yellow sunny dress and apron kind of thing and it's just such a fun moment because it it feels very true to this character (laughs) so we get all these little beats and she, he's got to go to Korea. It's a source of stress, right? They, they have their ups and downs. We got this all. We're like twenty minutes in. Uh, they have all these ups and downs. Now she's like, kind of questioning: Is this the life I want to live? Being a military wife, like kind of just being locked up and tied to this thing that is consumes everything about him, and she isn't a part of. Mm-hmm. But then, like, he flies off, and she's like, hey, you take care of your big jet, okay? They have all these, like, very overt sexual things. Um, But, eight months later. Johnny boy, the bells, the bells are loud. Danny boy. Uh, Yeah, you got Danny boy. Ah, damn. Uh, So, I'm only realizing now, rereading my notes, the Uh, last thing she said to him was, hey, you take care of your big jet, okay? That's good. That's what I want to say to my husband, the last thing. I want to use my interruption pass now to just bring up the fact that um, me and my Saw partner, every time someone gets taken by one of Saw's minions, we say they got porked. Because they're always wearing that pig mask. <laughs> so we're there, like, it's someone in a bedroom and there's their TV shows a camera that's, like, pointed at them from the closet. And we're just sitting there like, oh, they're going to get porked. They're going to get porked yeah, so hard. That's so creepy. I oh, know. Like, just that very simple, oh, yeah. completely and then, mind-shattering. And then, like, it wasn't oh. even, they the person, the menu wasn't even in the closet. They were, like, somewhere else. Close my closet door. <laughs> yeah, scare them out. <laughs> anyway. Thank you. I didn't want you to get porked. Thank you. So continue. So Ted, Ted got porked. Theodore. It's well, it's one thirty-three a.m. and Dern Dern's like passed out in bed, but we hear a dog barking and we hear like a car door slam and we and she like comes to and looks at the clock and she starts walking out and she she can see through the window. She sees four men in military garb and she Ugh. oh this is. Mm. By the way, Dern's very first Emmy nomination, oh. very first Golden Globe win. She had one Golden Globe nomination for Handling Rose hmm. prior to this. My word. And this this was a moment where it, it felt very earned. It was her ability to show her learning this by looking out the window and seeing these men. And she said she... She just starts shivering. She's muttering, oh God, oh God. She opens the door and she says... And like at this point, even in that moment going to the door, she's absorbed it slightly more and she says, am I a widow? But she says it like she knows the answer. Oh, Yikes. Yeah. And at this point, actually, we don't know. All we know is his plane's missing 
and she's asking about the what about the data recorder on the seat like she knows she knows what's up like he told her a lot about this stuff and by the way he was flying the F16 and not just any F16 but the new uh what was called the the electric F16 was the first one to basically rely entirely on its like electronics and computer system hmm. for navigation in the in the 80s so it was a big deal it was kind of the like you know the the military industrial complex future jet like and she's asking about it they they don't have much info and then among them is Ted's good friend and Air Force guy who is Meryl from The Walking Dead. <laughs> nice. Much earlier. This is more, this is just before his mall rat days. You ever see mall rats? Like one once. Of, one of the best Kevin Smith movies. I need to revisit that. Oh, he plays a, an asshole father of a love <laughs> interest who hosts a local game show at the mall. Huh. And he's wonderful. In this, it's funny, he usually plays such a monstrously just evil villain that I assumed that's what he was going to be. And he wasn't. But he, he was uh, Ted's best friend. And then, then we get the call right after that. Ted is, in fact, Ted. I don't even know why they kind of gave us that, yeah. that 30 seconds where we, didn't, where we assumed that but didn't know it. And... So he's there, he becomes this kind of, this figure throughout, sort of consoling her, and then we get two men in rain slickers are investigating the crash, and they're like, oh, something's amiss, and it, it has that shadowy corporate corporate intrigue kind of angle to it, and Darren gets a call from an Air Force investigator. So, you know, I'd like to ask you about your husband was he a marijuana smoker was he depressed right and she sees exactly what they're doing and they're trying to put the blame on him right and she she from the jump is like he did not do this intentionally and he was an amazing pilot and knowing both of those things this is this is the fault of the plane. There is no other explanation. This was, this wasn't like it was shot down or anything. This was like a random in some clouds crash, and they get some data. Oh, and she gets like a. We we have the funeral, and now at this point, Darren's got like the early '90s Hillary Clinton hair. Nice. And, which is fully appropriate in 1992. Well, she wasn't the only one with that, with that cut, for sure. And she's, she's on a crusade. She's like, I'm not coming back till I, can, till I prove that it wasn't his fault. She gets this kind of vague threat from the colonel. People, and military figures throughout this movie will try to be kind of paternalistic. And you know, Meryl, Walking Dead guy, does it where he's like, you gotta move on. You know, people are just trying to push her off of this a bit. And she's... Even the ones who think, yeah, probably it was the plane. Like, it's the Air Force and it's general dynamics. Like, you can't... 
you're you're a woman from Long Island. Like, what are you gonna? You can't. And a woman in in this moment where they're trying to talk her down, a woman comes up to her and she says, "Now, Janet, remember, you're an Air Force wife." She says, "I'm an Air Force widow." <gasps> Good. Stick it to the man. Golden Globe. Golden Globe. She gets a card at the funeral. A reporter gives her a card. And she keeps pushing. She has this great line uh, to some Air Force folk. What, what gives you people the right to know more about my husband's death than, than I do, huh? And she sees... Then later, she's, she's watching the TV's on. She's with her sister. And she sees a local news clip, and it's that reporter, and it's highlighting the potential dangers of the F-16, talking about how a bunch have crashed, and like 40 pilots have died, and these things crashing. And it's the reporter. So then she's like, about it. She's like, oh yeah, this this is my ally here. And she gets a package from an unknown sender. Not Ted. a... Other Ted. Ted. Ah! <laughs> the other Ted. Can you imagine? Oh, no. <sighs> and it has the classified accident report. Ooh. And it's filled with logs. And Ooh. so, like, a lot of this gets kind of technical. This turns into, like, kind of technical court case drama. Mm-hmm. And it's all, like, it's basically that right it's a black box in a plane like there there's all this very raw, real raw data from the actual event that she is trying to get more and more of her hands on so she gets this she gets this accident report she calls the reporter it's it's secret classified he reports on it and it notes that the primary causes were instrument failure and pilot error and mustachioed military brass or you know harumphing and kind of in worry and disbelief and the mustaches they show up at her house oh no and she does it right off the bat she has she plays it perfectly this she says she gets mad at them about who the hell would go and leak that report? She doesn't want them to know that she did it, and she does such a good job of of just pretend that it's one thing I love about this is her role, and then seeing actual footage of this woman, Janet Hardivell, is just so confident and comfortable in her. She knows what to say. She knows what game she's playing. She knows what she's trying to do. And she's just a fucking bulldog. And it really is a story of tenacity. And that's just one little moment. She's like, and who who got their hands on that report? Like, how did that get to a reporter's hands? That kind of thing. And now she's in a big wig law office. It is actor Robert Loggia. And... He says, he's like, you can't sue the military. She says, she, he says like, yeah, even, oh, and he's the, he's the heir, 
lawyer. <laughs> he is the big, he's the rock star, the best in the game. If you have someone killed in a jet, he's your guy. Remember the Wright brothers? He's the he's reason. Bobby Loggia. <laughs> he was there. It's on. <laughs> and so she says, okay, then I'll sue General Dynamics. Which, for those who don't know, is similar to saying I'll sue Lockheed Martin. Or <laughs> any other, right, I'll sue Boeing. <laughs> and he asks, he's like, how much cash you want to get out of this? She says, none. She's, I want to clear his name. If I, she says, um, he says, if I wanted to be poor, I'd still be a pilot. Which is just <laughs> a cool little, like, character color. Like, oh, he's a former pilot. It's kind of the only instance we get. And he says, he said, no, nobody has sued a general dynamics level defense contractor. It's impossible. And she says, says, no one's ever sued, sued a contractor like that. She says, don't you think it's time, about time somebody did? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And he, she said, she's like, all right. Assuming you took the case, because she's she's like selling him, she's pitching him on this. It's so good because he doesn't want it. He's like, I really, look, even if your case is compelling, I'm not going up against General Dynamics. And she's like, well, how much would you need to start? Assuming you're going to take it, and he says, the maintenance records on the navigation unit. <laughs> all right, <sighs> maintenance records grabs grabs your sister. They get all tarted up. And they go to the, like, records building on the Air Force Base or whatever. And it's a, it's like almost like a library, like a law library or something, where you get, like, request a book. You know, it's like a, a maintenance. Yeah, you get it. But yeah. it's the Air Force. And they're just flirting up the guy <laughs> so hard. And they do it. It's the kind of thing that, like, it feels cheesy because it's such... It's such a trope, right? Yeah. And and especially when it's like, okay, they're going to flirt with this guy and he's going to Oh, they need they need like specific part numbers. She's go she calls the Air Force to like request this info. They're like, "Well, we need to know all these facts," which like obviously you're not going to get those facts, so you're never going to know. Yeah. And so she goes there to get these she needs like four data points. And it feels cheesy, but they, she does such a good job of, like, actually convincing this guy. They, like, do this whole bit, like, they're kind of drunk, and they're talking. They're military wives who are talking about what their husbands say about the plane, and they kind of get it. They're sort of ditzy, but they're asking the right questions. Okay. And they're like, oh, man, imagine if we told him what, like, oh, we'll show him. Like, they're playing a game. They're having oh, fun. Oh, I really and like they're, that. they're flirting with him, and he's... They're like, well, if we want to know this, like, what he's like, well, that'd be in this book here, and written, the, and they do, they, they, they get the info. It's good. It's fun. And where were we? So she strolls in to Loja's office, and that's great. It's just him, his big fucking big swinging dick Ray Liotta marriage story attorney office, mm-hmm. and his door just flies open, and she <laughs> comes in with a huge stack of papers. And so now we got a battle. He's going to take it. Who's the old white guy lawyer on the other side? The dad from Step Brothers. Whoa, that guy. guy. I could see him playing a pretty stern lawyer for a billion dollar military company. Yeah, that's what he does. Good for him. And now she's 
talking with the the base doctor who was like a, some a friend, someone she's close to, someone she knew, someone Ted knew well, and she like gets the he is he had some evidence of his own and he was suspicious and she kind of gets that he gave he sent her the the original info on the, the secret report and he then later shortly thereafter agrees to be a witness he's got his own info now Merrill's telling her to give him give it up and she loses it on him she and it, and it was never a thought in her mind to give it up that's that's one thing that's great about this and she says you want to know the only part they gave me his hand i buried a fucking hand which is such a powerful fucked up line and the guy who was going to testify well he dies in a car accident hmm. sometimes that happens Hmm. Ain't life a kick in the head. Suspicious. Yes. And so Darren goes outside and screams at the sky. You know who has cars? The military. Just saying. You don't think. It was an inside job. And Meryl shows up drunk to apologize and give her flowers. They cry about Ted and they make out. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess. You know. Uh, another F-16 crashes, and the distraught widow asks Dern for help. And now I'll say now, like, this movie, I've, I enjoyed this movie, and there's a lot to enjoy about this movie. Mm-hmm. It's also, in, in some ways, feels just kind of paint-by-numbers, like, um, right, the case, this, the, the story is fascinating in in its truth and Duran's performance is unreal and the this woman as a real life woman is well fucking incredible but it's also just kind of it's not it wasn't I wasn't on the edge of my seat I wasn't like I mean it's one of those things it gets where a like... lot of the technical detail without it's tough to make you really, like, into the technical, you know, because you got to kind of, like, you got to spin it. you got to use the right metaphor to make it, like, snick, click and be relevant to mm. the, the non-technical audience. And, like, they don't try, so they're explaining a lot of technical stuff. And you get what it's supposed to mean, but it's not... But the words feel very arbitrary throughout a lot of this. And it's like, wait, what's the difference between that... The report you got mailed, but then you got this other info you need, and then you write. It's like I don't get why they all feel kind of the same. Yeah, and so that's a it's a fine movie. So they discover that now they're like going through. Now they've gotten some new records as by virtue of the records they had gotten, and they discover. A wire chafing problem where this there are all these clues this in electrical indicator was flashing that meant this that meant oh it was a wire chafing in this this area here and that caused his electronics to um to fail hmm. 
And Darren now wants to use the Air Force flight simulator to simulate the last 15 minutes of this. And, like, this I don't fully understand, but perhaps with data integrity, plug in these this actual data and you can see what happens. Is that how this worked? I guess. It's like they're going to learn specifics now that they can do this. Mm-hmm. And... We see as she's doing, she can, they don't want her to. She just kind of demands it. And she's like, just, she's like, says the, whichever Air Force suit, she says, I'm not asking for, I don't need you to fight my battles for me. I just, I just want a fair fight. And like, so let me at least get this evidence that I should have access to. And what they learn, so as she's doing this, we get, it's like her in the flight simulator and then we're getting the actual Ted in, in the plane. And we, it kind of, he goes into clouds. It's like shaky, kind of turbulence, alarms blaring and stuff's flashing and visibility's all fucked up and he's like spinning out or something. And what happened was he now gets the signal that he's too close to to land and so he pulls up to fly out of the way mm-hmm. but he wasn't pointing up his plane was upside down and he did not know and this is in fact what actually happened to Ted Hardeville and so he flew straight into the ground and that's not good no and what like and that was so like shocking because they didn't I didn't know there was, like, a mystery. It was just like, oh, yeah, it's a fucked up wire and the plane exploded. Like, for them, it, as a, a story structure, to, like, set up that, like, and we don't know what occurred. Like, highlight that, like, we don't... that That's, like, a missing piece of this puzzle. Because I didn't know that was a puzzle piece. And then they give yeah. it to you. And it's just like, oh, fuck. That's fucking crazy. Um, and, and gives it a human... Once you, you get that, it feels more powerful. You feel you feel the impact of it a bit more. Because, like, yeah, he was just a cocky military guy for 15 minutes. It's not like I fell in love with the guy before he died, you know? But darned it. Now, okay. So, that happens. So now, we got a trial. Stepbrother's dad says, well, he shouldn't have flown into the clouds. It's his fault. He gets like a, you know, military industrial complex expert witness to talk about how there hadn't been a single report of wire chafing causing a crash. Dern, now it's after day one of the trial, not looking good. Dern and her sister just kind of, there's one tape that they can't even watch because it's like a three-quarter inch or whatever. It's some, like, not VHS, but yeah. some film tape. And so where do they go? Who's got one of those? Think back to our supporting characters, Nick. The lawyer? No, he's a former pilot turned a lawyer. Oh, why would he have a yeah. video player? Um, The wife of the man who died in the car accident? It's a local news reporter. The local news reporter, yeah. yes. Exactly who I said. Go down to the local news station Mm -hmm. and play it 
And it's like the most damning evidence. It's like <laughs> video evidence of general dynamics making like an internal knowledge management video about this like the wire chafing can cause these problems oh, and it buddy. can cause death right it could <laughs> literally destroy the plane and uh, which is exactly the type of thing that stepbrother's dad was denying right like oh there's no evidence of any sort of cigar man if only he knew about that tape exactly um so General Dynamics is declared 100% at fault, and Janet Hardevel is awarded $3.1 million. She could make almost three Saw movies with that. (laughs) (laughs) But. (gasps) Oh no. What? Then we get the fucking words on the screen. The movie's over and we get the words on the screen. And you know what they say? What? On appeal, the court ruled that although Janet Hardevel had presented substantial evidence of design defect in the F-16, General Dynamics was protected from liability as a government contractor. Mm. Accordingly, the $3.1 million damage award was overturned. That's some shit. You know what the first thing you'll find is if you Google Janet Hardeville? What? That appeal. The fucking legal document in full of them winning. Of them saying, even though this was completely our fault, fuck you, we're too big. That is bad. I don't like that. Disgusting. Ugh. Gross. Ugh. Ugh. Man, why you gotta make me feel these ways, Max? Hey, I was doing dirt, okay. I was liking your story. And then you did it. Drop that big turd on me. I know. If I stopped right then, I, I had wouldn't. To bike home with this all on my shoulders. <sighs> Jeez. All right, so I got a few notes on on IRL Hardeville and some mm-hmm. of the, the movie production. So, the, oh, here's another fun fact. Let's get the mouse involved, shall we? At the height of the Gulf War, the film was in pre-production when Disney reassessed the optics of releasing an anti-military film and backed out. Fuckers. Jeez. And the music was done by Stuart Copeland, best known as the drummer for The Police. Ah, Sting's band. Yes. Good for him. Correct. After the film... Janet Hardeville became famous in Tampa as a local radio astrologer known as the Star Goddess. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> no, it's not. It's great. Ah. Oh, she fucking. She became one of the one of the joke background actors from Frasier. <laughs> she became one of the joke personalities. No, no, uh, she's she good? Does she does she have the power? She sounded. It was funny because I read this like Tampa Bay press whatever like biographical piece from like 2003 about her mm-hmm. and it, it's weaving her the astrologer and her the the wife's the pilot's wife in the story huh. and it's and it's fun and she fucking rules and i watched the second thing you find when you google her name is her congressional testimony oh. and it's like two hours and 15 minutes I'm like all right let me see a snippet and she is it's like Dern couldn't even come close to doing it justice and it's very much she is there 
in in front of Congress in a fucking congressional hearing, talking for two two hours, and is just spouting off facts about the F-16s and comfortably she's telling her story and defending her husband and explaining the situation and not holding back at all of being this is like one absolutely 100% the fault of this defense contractor and she's a fucking widow because of it but like she's just doing it it's like she it's almost part of the best part of this for me was like None of the specifics of this, like, Air Force flight general dynamics, like, that's just fucking tragic and awful, and it is a good reminder that that is such a broken thing, especially with that epilogue, but just using that as just an example of showing a woman who might be viewed as, like, as I said, I know Long Island women like this, (laughs) they can, they're trashy, they, you know, she's probably smoking Virginia Slim's. They're like, their judgments cast on women like her. And knowing women like her, a lot of them are like wicked, tenacious, and would. It doesn't surprise me that a Long Island woman did this. And she's so. To see her in real life, just in a few minutes of congressional testimony, she's the fucking coolest. So she's gonna be an astrologer, like. But apparently that was a passion all through her oh. life. We just, we didn't, turn, D- didn't, didn't bring, bring that up in the movie. No. Jeez. Um, yeah. So that's that. Oh, and at the time of the writing, 2003, mm-hmm. 50-year-old Janet Hardeveld was in a relationship with a 30-year-old man because like, fuck yeah, that's I mean, who hey, she man, is. That's who you meet in astrology circles. Hell yeah. 30-year-old men who want to know. Finally, we have a, a newspaper clipping. Aww. I got a free trial to newspapers.com Worth just it. to get this picture. That's a very good picture. Yeah, we're going to oh, put like this on, yes. on the ground. Send that to me. I will. That's good. It's Dern and Janet Hardeville, and they both look fucking great. That's a very good picture. It is. My word. Yeah. My, how the great world spins. By the way, 2.6 miles. You were a little over. It is a six-minute drive from Auschwitz to the nearest McDonald's. How many kilometers is that? I don't know, but it is. like seven. I don't know. I forgot. I know, because five kilometers is 3.1. True. So 2.6 would be like four points. It's almost a 5K. Yeah. You could not run a 5K from Auschwitz to McDonald's. That's wild. (laughs) There you go. But that, that's our show folks oh man we did we laughed we cried we learned a little something about ourselves yeah see ya and uh Dern I guess okay bye Dern Ooh, long run man I got long